The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is your, your co-host, Chris Marwitz. I'm on today. We have James on with us, and we have one of our guests today. Um, his, his name is Mark Slauson. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm doing wonderful, thank you. Oh, fantastic. And James, how's your day going? Not bad. You know, I got up really good to finally get to talk to my friend Mark and get to talk to you, Christy. Um, you're doing great things with running the show. Uh, thank but, you. you know, I'm just happy to be, you know, on again. Get to talk football, right, Mark? Oh, yeah, I'm ready, man. Definitely. I know. Oh. It's crazy. I've, I've actually never... I guess the first day I was on, I got to talk to you a little bit, but, uh, yeah, you've been uh, MIA here, buddy, so it's good to have you back. Always good to have you on here, James. Always good. So, all right, Mark, we're going to start off a little bit of college. So, yep. seems like they, they've just released the third set of the college football playoff rankings. Um, are you surprised to see that Notre Dame's in the top four? Not really. I, I honestly, I think Notre Dame deserves to be in the top four. I mean, I think they've played a pretty uh, formidable schedule, and uh, they've, I mean, obviously the only loss that they've had this year was to Clemson by two points. Um, you know, you don't like to tout a good loss, but if there's uh, if there's such thing as a good loss, then a road game uh, at Clemson, you know, in the rain at night, two-point loss, I'd say that's a pretty good loss. And uh, they've had some great wins, too. I mean, they beat at sea. They beat Temple, who's a who's a, a real team, and um, yeah, I think they deserve it. I really do. Um, I the the unfortunate thing for Notre Dame moving forward is uh, you know the the juice on their schedule is uh, is kind of weak. I mean, now uh, the game against Stanford, yeah. Uh, after Stanford, you know, suffered a loss against Oregon, that game is no longer uh, as um, as marquee a matchup, and it's not going to give them as much. Uh, uh, as much uh, boost in the polls uh, as you might have thought a couple weeks ago. Um, so, you know, I think that the bulk of their schedule uh, is kind of in the books already. And uh, But, man, I think you got to give them credit. They've played, you know, they've just kind of taken care of business. They've had tons of injuries, and, um, you know, they've kind of persevered, and, and uh, you know, they just got that one loss on their – on the record, and I, I think they are worthy of a top four slot at this moment in time. Well, there's a chance that they could win out and set up a playoff game back against Clemson again. You know, they, they, what, what do you think about that? <sighs> True. Um, you know, I'm never really a, a huge fan of a, a rematch in the bowl game. 
So I'm kind of, you know, selfishly hoping that that does not occur. Uh, I kind of think it's, I don't know if it's unfair, but, you know, Clemson already beat them once. It's kind of tough to ask a team to come in and, and, uh, and beat them again. Um, so it, it is, uh, there's definitely a possibility of that occurring. I think the, uh, the likelihood of it is actually um, fairly strong. But uh, personally, I'm, I'm not rooting for that to take place. Yeah, because I, I think looking at their schedule, I think Notre Dame, the only big game they have against them is, as you said, Stanford, and that's in a couple of weeks. Everything else is, should be, they should beat everyone else. Exactly. Well, well so. Clemson, actually, they've got a couple, uh, a couple of tough games on their slate still. I mean, they play against South Carolina, which is, you know, always a uh, kind of a bloodbath rivalry type game. Yeah, um, state, yeah. I mean, South Carolina, they've been pretty awful this year, but... Uh, you know that they're gonna they're gonna bring their A game in that one, and then uh, of course again in the ACC championship game, uh, you know to be determined. But um, yeah, they still got a couple of couple of blocks to to uh, overcome before before they punch their ticket. True. You know, Mark, okay. I disagree, Mark, I gotta disagree with you on that because I think these schools like another day. I've been watching them here and there. I think they get these ranking because of the name of their school. But when you're playing garbage can state and you beat them by 50, yeah, you're going to win those games. But you you get down to play Oklahoma or Michigan, Michigan State, eight out of their 10 and 11 games of the season, it's not going to be that. So you see these big schools, like or Notre Dame, that's playing these little small division two schools, three schools, just because they're paying them. Because when they play these little schools like that, they give them money, like a million dollars to play them. So the school, like, you know, we'll take that beating for a million for our program. But you got, I mean, you got Notre Dame. Look how when um, they had that linebacker, you know, that great linebacker that, you know, they had the girlfriend. When they were and played in the bowl game, they got blown out. So I don't think this school like Notre Dame should be ranked like that. I don't think so, Mark. No, I, I, I hear you, buddy. But, um, look, I think Brian Kelly is, is actually one of the best coaches in the country by top three. And yeah, they they lost that bowl game, and and that was that was pretty ugly. And I agree with you there, but I, you know I, I disagree with you on their schedule. I mean, they've been playing kind of a partial ACC schedule, and uh, again, you know they've they've look when they made the schedule. I don't think it was uh, they were anticipating Temple to be good. Uh, Navy is usually never that great, um, but you know both those teams are. Are pretty solid, and then you know, to you throw in Clemson there again, and it was a loss. But uh, yeah, man, I think they've I think they've done pretty well. And, and USC, uh, you know, they're they're creeping back in the top twenty-five. I, you know, I don't think that, uh, and I don't know. You know, I those are the teams I know offhand. I don't know if they've played any of those uh, you know FCS schools. But I would say if you are making the argument that they're not. Uh, Putting up a good schedule, then I, I would I would look to other schools like honestly look at Alabama man they they played two F, or actually after this week they will play two FCS schools and uh, Louisiana Monroe and the only uh, out of conference school that they played that was in, was decent is uh, Wisconsin and that's kind of a middle pack Big Ten school so I don't know man I I think uh, 
I think there's other teams that are uh, more guilty of scheduling cupcakes than, than Notre Dame, and I, I think they, they've got a decent, uh, a decent resume. And um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I think it would be, you know, I, I kind of personally root for, root for chaos and, and things to, you know, <laughs> uh, fan bases to get mad because I'd like to see, it, uh, you know, uh, an eight-game playoff. So I'm kind of hoping that Notre Dame does not get in. Somehow they get passed up by, you know, another one-last team. And, uh, you know, they've got a pretty powerful alumni group. And, uh, you know, the more people that are mad about the current system, you know, the better, I think. Let me ask you so Mark. real quick, before, Chris, before you go on. Okay. Mark, are you ranking the coaches or the players the thing? So you say, no, they got a pretty good coach. So basically you tell me you're ranking the coaches to get the rank, right? Because they got a great coach. You got to give them the ranking. Is that what you're saying? Uh, not necessarily, but I am saying that I think they, they are a well-coached team and they play well pretty much every week. They haven't really laid an egg at all this year. They've, you know, again, they've been kind of decimated with injuries. It seems like every time, you know, things are look grim. I mean, I think they're down, you know, they're up there down to the third string running back. And I, I just think teams that can uh, roll with injuries and consistently play well uh, all season long, I do think you have to credit the coach. And, and I, and I'm not saying that uh, they should be four because of Brian Kelly, but um, I think the reason that they are four is because of him, if that makes any sense. Because I think he's such a good coach that he's, he's you know, that they've played well, like I said, every game. And uh, I think they deserve to be where they're at. True, true. So what I want to know, let's just kind of move to some other teams. You know, what about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? You know, they're six and seven ranked ranked, and um, they're both knocking on the door. You know, do you think either one of them has a chance of breaking into the top four? James, you want that one, buddy? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, you know, it's so dinky with that. You know, it's like, you know, one team, you know, um, like, I, you know what? I'm not going to lie to you, Mark. I stopped paying attention to college because it was just so much, you know, uh, politics in it because, you know, you got like you want, they got this school they want to be in it, and they, one school got one loss, and they still make it. Another school got no loss because, you know, if you got a small school like a Wyoming with no loss, they're not going to get in that bowl bid, you know, that top four because they're saying they're not powerhouse and the school they play, power ranking. But the other schools, like, you know, got the big names, they play all these same schools, small division two and three, and they might play one big rank school, and they still get in there, you know. So I, I, college football is just, just a bad taste in my mouth, you know, because there's so much. I mean, I mean, you look at the pros, it's different because you got grown men that are playing for a check, you know, and they got to play for a spot. College football, mm-hmm. you got kids playing to get to that spot, but they're looking at it as a school as we got to make money, you know, for the program. Does that make sense, Mark? Oh, it totally does, man. I mean, I'm... I'm definitely not uh, as embittered as you. I'm I'm uh, I'm a pretty tried and true uh, college football fan. I, I kind of like it. I like the discussion. Look, it's not perfect. I totally agree with you. There's 
been many years where I think a lot of the, the, the up and coming teams that were not part of one of the Power Five conferences, you know, deserve a chance to, to play for a national championship. And it's frustrating. I mean, you look at Houston this year, you know, they're undefeated. They've played actually a pretty good schedule and they're just, you know, completely lost in the, in the mix because they just don't have the resources and they, you know, uh, they just really get overlooked. Um, so I totally understand that, uh, that thought. And, uh, you know, I, I thought Boise State a few times, you know, she was right up there and, and played as well as anybody did in the country. And, and, uh, and it's frustrating because a lot of the, the big boys will avoid teams like that because, you know, they know it's actually going to be a battle and not an easy win. So those guys have trouble scheduling some of the good teams and it's just kind of a, uh, it, it's a, um, you know, kind of a bad situation. But I will say, um, yeah, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, Chris, I think, um, I think, well, I mean, actually this week is really a big week. Um, OU has to get by TCU. I mean, they're playing at home. It's at night. I fully expect them to, to win that game. But Oklahoma State plays against Baylor, um, so that's far from being a, a gimme, and that's going to be a toss-up game. Now, if, if both those teams get by, um, then it sets up uh, just a huge game. Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State uh, in Stillwater at night, and I think that will uh, that's going to determine one of the spots in the in the power or in the college football playoffs and. Uh, uh, I would anticipate Oklahoma winning that game because it seems like whenever those two teams play and there's something on the line, uh, OU pretty much always beats them. And um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, I do think that uh, one of those teams, if they if they win their next game and set up a matchup, I think that uh, and certainly Oklahoma State would would get in being undefeated. But I do right. think that OU would, would slip in as well. And again, James, it's a, another thing. It's just, you know, OU has a chance because, yeah, they're Oklahoma and, and they're, you know, one of the uh, historic programs and, and they're going to get every, every break in the book, you know. So I, I get that frustration part of it. So anyway. Yeah, yeah that's true. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about college. All right? Sounds good. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is your co-host, Chris Marwitz, and we have with us, we have James on with us today. How you doing, James? Pretty good, pretty good. And, of course, we have our guest with us, uh, Mark Slauson. Are you still there with us, Mark? I'm still here. Ah, so we've been talking a little bit about college uh, football, you know, kind of what's going on and what we think. Um, And we touched upon it before the break a little bit about this is the time of year where things are kind of happening. You know, it's it's make or break time for some of these teams. Um, and, and the bowl committees are kind of looking at, the, you know, watching the games closely, and we know that the ultimate goal for any team hoping to play in a bowl game is to win. You know, what else, Mark, do you think that these teams should be focused on if they want to try to get to well, a bowl game? Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, at this point, uh, most of their resume has, uh, has been completed. They just have a lot last few games to, to state their case. So, you know... Um, and I really do think as the as the season goes along, uh, towards the end of the season, you know, your games are have much more importance than they do early on in the year. I mean, everybody's already forgotten that uh, that Alabama lost to a you know a three loss uh, Ole Miss team. So um, I think the uh, yeah the the main thing for I mean the teams that are already up there. Uh, Clemson, Alabama, I mean, they just really need to win, just, you know, survive in advance, basically. But I think some of the teams that are kind of on the outskirts, I mean, even a team like Baylor that's, I think they're nine in this, uh, the latest ranking here, I mean, if they can somehow muster up, I mean, they got three tough games ahead of them. Uh, if they can win and win convincingly in those three games, then, you know, I think they're going to be stating the case for uh, – for inclusion into the into the playoff, um, so uh, I guess the short answer there is just uh, you know the teams that are kind of on the outside looking in. I think they have to be 
more impressive in their in their uh, in the way they play. Um, maybe running up the score a little bit if it's uh, uh, if the opportunity presents itself, and uh, and the teams that are already up, you know, the top couple of teams, I think they just really need to to win the rest of their games, and they should be fine. True. All right. So it seems like we. I heard that Nisby, you're on with us. Is that correct? I am here. Oh, perfect. So, Nesby, you're formerly of the NFL. You played with uh, Baltimore and Indianapolis Colts, and then you also played for Seattle Seahawks. Yay, go Hawks. Go Hawks, um, that's right. And, uh, and before that, you played with uh, Washington, you know, University of Washington. And um, I want to ask a question of you. Uh, but okay. before 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 James, you know, gets into talking about Seattle, I want to talk a little bit about college now. So, no worries. Um, Great. So how tough is it for a true freshman like Jake Browning from your alma mater, University of Washington, to come in as a quarterback and lead the team? Oh, it's extremely difficult. Uh, to come in out of high school and, and to take over a, a college team is a humongous leap. Uh, and my hat's off to him because, I mean, for the most part, until recently, you know, he's he's done a pretty good job. But it, that, that's one of those positions that is difficult it's probably the most difficult position to transition into from high school to college going to college. Excuse me, from high school going to college. Uh, I mean, you're always seeing, you know, a running back, a defensive back, a wide receiver. Every once in a while, an offensive lineman transition. But, you know, from high school to college and, and, and start as a freshman, as a true freshman. Not a redshirt freshman, but start as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh you seldom ever see a high school quarterback go into, uh, I would call, you know, a major Division One university and start. That's true. So, James, are you ready to, to, to go at it with the NFL at this point? James? Okay, well... He's there somewhere. We, we, so. we can talk some more college. I mean, I'm I'm very familiar with Alabama. I worked with Nick Saban and his crew for about oh, seven perfect. years. Oh, perfect. So, okay. uh, you well, know, Joe James wants to come up online, so we we don't need okay. to have any dead space here. So let's talk. I'll be, I'll pretend to be James. Perfect. Well, actually, I have another another thing that I read about um, Braxton Miller. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was a quarterback at Ohio State. Yes, um, due to a shoulder injury in August of 2014, you know he couldn't he couldn't be a quarterback anymore. So he transitioned over to a wide receiver. You know, for for uh, you know both you guys, how hard do you think it is to transition from one position to another in, in order to keep playing like that? Well, it depends on on your background, and what I mean by that, uh, you have a lot of guys that have transitioned into a position because that position they felt the most comfortable at, you know. But a lot of times if you look at their background when they played Pop Warner and on through, they have played a number of different positions. And so, mm-hmm. you know, athletically, you know, they still have what it takes to play that position. I think when you look at a guy like Braxton Miller, you look at, you look at him and you see how mobile and agile he is, you know, he's one of those quote-unquote athletic quarterbacks. He's not going to just drop in the pocket and throw and release the ball. When he's in the pocket, you know, he's just as deadly. His feet are just as deadly as his arm. So, so there's no question that that's not a hard jump or leap for him 
to transition from quarterback to wide receiver. That just speaks to his athleticism, and he's always right. been considered an athletic quarterback. Right. And Mark, what, what do you do? You have anything to add on that? Oh no, I totally agree with Nesty there. I mean, he's. Uh, I think uh, if if you were, uh, you know, going for wide receiver, um, yeah, because unlike you know, like uh, Ryan Tannehill did when he was over at Texas A and M, you know, he started off first couple years as a wide receiver there, um, and then uh, he ended up, uh, you know, transitioning back to, to playing quarterback. I think that would be you know a much more difficult transition. I mean. Uh, again, uh, as Nesby uh, had uh, uh, said, you know, quarterback is the, the, the most difficult position to, to get down. So if you have that, uh, you kind of know where everybody is on every play. Um, I think it's just more of a matter of getting your body used to, uh, you know, the different types of uh, maneuvers and, uh, you know, running routes and that type of thing. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with him on that. And, and can I interject one more thing, too? Uh, I sure. think when you look at that position in particular, that's, that's a position of leadership. So, you know, to have a, a true freshman come in and have the respect uh, of those veteran guys, of, of uh, the guys that have been there playing, you know, three or four years, and that, that speaks to his leadership qualities, too. So, uh, so it's not just about one's athleticism. It's about one's leadership, too, because once you have faith in your quarterback, you know, Guys, the limit. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, that, that would be something that would be tough to try to get all these these your players, your co workers, per to say, you know, to respect you. Well, it, it's, it's extremely difficult, and 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 I'll kind of flip flop around on a little bit and hope, hopefully connect the dots. It's like Russell Wilson. I've always said, you know, a lot of us didn't really play pay close attention to Russell Wilson, you know. When he went from North Carolina State to Wisconsin and took over there uh, that role of leadership and starting quarterback, that that spoke volumes to me. But even more than that, when they named him a captain, that's what sold me most on on Russell Wilson. You know, because when you've only had six months to or four or five months to to work with guys and, and all of a sudden they're believing in you as not only their leader, but they want to name you one of their captains, then that says that you have done something extra special in a very short time frame to convince those guys that you are the guy that can do the things necessary to help them win a championship. And guess what? He did. They ended up winning the Rose Bowl. And so nobody's ever really even talked about that whole situation that Russell Wilson had to go through. And so that's, that's another quality that's vital. When you, when you talk about the great quarterbacks, all of them, for the most part, have been great leaders as well. Right. And, Mark, I'm sorry, you you were wanting to say something? Oh, no, I was just going to just add that, um, you know, it's pretty uh, unusual to have two quarterbacks because you've got, uh, you know, Josh Rosen at uh, UCLA as well coming in as a true freshman and, and really playing well uh, for the Bruins. And, you know, so it's just, it's exciting to, to, to see kind of both those programs. They've, they've got their, their quarterback set for the next, you know, at least two years after, after this year. Um, and uh, uh, so it'll be fun to, fun to watch both those programs. I think they're, uh, they are both going to have a, an upward trajectory. So it'll, it'll be cool to see. Yeah, that's true. 
That's true. So we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we're going to jump to the NFL, and I think I think James will be ready to, to start hitting it with you, Nesby and, and Mark. So hold on. We'll be right back. I know where Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is your co-host, Chris Marwitz, and we have James Loving with us today. How are you doing, James? I'm doing good, Chris. Thank you. Great. I'm good. So we have our guests on. We have Nesby Glasgow, formerly of the NFL. How are you doing? You still with us there, Nesby? I'm great. I'm doing well. Ah, that's so good to hear. And Mark Slauson, you're on as well, right? I'm still here. Oh, great. So, okay, let's get on with it. We're going to get on, go on to the NFL. And I know that James has... Nesby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say that now. But James is going to is is going to start with the NFL with you. So James, go ahead. Well, man, I'm not transitioning, Chris. You're doing a show with me, so when I ain't around, I'll let her do it. So she's doing a good job. You know, doing a great job. 
But we're going to kick it off. Mark, uh, we've got my guest Mark Slauson. Glad to have you, Mark and Nesby. Always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we're going to start making this a little bit funner than what it was. Chris was serious with it, bro. I'm getting on Mark for a minute with that college, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but now um, it's out there. But Nesby, Mark, um, um, the NFL. You know we got teams that are un- undefeated. Carolina. We got um, New England. Um, when the season started off, you know you always have that Vegas or everybody saying, you know, these are teams that are gonna beat. I'm gonna start off with Seattle, Ness, because they're the team that look like crumbling. And I think I told everybody when they did win that Super Bowl. That drew every life out of them. I think I spoke to you about that, Nat. Do you think that, you know, NFL teams, they got so many years, one or two, and then after that, it's a wrap. They're starting to change. They're starting to lose. And, I mean, look at Denver after that. But do you think so, Nat? you want to start off? Then you, Mark. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this, that, you know, for me at least, I still have uh faith and belief in, in the Seattle Seahawks, you know, being around the guys to know enough that, you know, uh, they still have everything within them, within themselves, to turn the season around. I know as, as crazy and as ludicrous as that sounds, uh, they just do a great job of always affirming each other and, and always believing in, in one another. And if there is a team to turn things around, I'm going to say it's Seattle. I still haven't said that, you know, I'm 100% sure they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, but getting back to your question in terms of, of shelf life, you know, once you have that high end, you go to the Super Bowl or you go twice like them and you lose one time, that you kind of start to implode and, and that's the last time we're going to hear from you, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll go on record as saying that e- even if the Seahawks do implode this year, I think that next year they'll be better. I think that next year they'll be back on track to go to the playoffs and, you know, they'll be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, they they just, and, and I say it time and time again, I mean, their resiliency has impressed me more so than their play. And, and I would just add that uh, if they do somehow wind up as a playoff team this year, then, I mean, that's like the last team that you'd, you'd want to play because, first off, it would mean that they got their act together and, and strung together some wins. And then secondly, you know, you're playing a team that's been to the Super Bowl the last couple of years and uh, just have that championship mentality, and, and uh, that would be a, a nightmare matchup for any of these uh, playoff teams. I think they're all, all of the, the, the folks up top are hoping that uh, Seattle just fades away and and, uh, and somehow doesn't make the playoffs uh, due to that reason there. Well, Nancy, yeah. I know you say that. I know, Mark, you say that too, but you know how teams get down once they start losing. The players start fighting. And now look at Dallas. Dallas is just out of control, hardy. Fighting on the sideline with death and all the other. They're losing change of attitude. I mean, you know, you get guys, I see in games where, you know, some guys have gave up, you know, on plays, you know, you see that, you know, and, and it seems like, you know, I'm not saying Seattle, Nancy, but 
I'm just saying, you know, a team like that that has all that, you know, sooner or later, you'll get some players in that locker room doubting themselves. you guys agree with that or no? I, I, I disagree uh, somewhat. And because for me, at least, when, when you bring up Dallas, that's, that's, that's really one of the more dysfunctional teams and organizations in the National Football League. Uh, you know, they they have allowed their players to do things that most teams would not allow their players to do. Uh, you know, when you look at how a, a greater player as he is, Dez Bryant, how he has had his tantrums. And now the, the other guy who I can't, the defensive lineman, who they never should have signed, you know, regardless of his athleticism and his ability to be a great person, it's evident that he's a cancer to whatever team he goes to. Because if things don't work his way, then, you know, he, he wants to get in everybody's face. And I guarantee you, if he was a screw-up and somebody got in his face, you know, he'd, he'd, want, to, he'd want to punch him out. Uh, but, but it, you know, but it goes from the top down. You know, when your ownership allows these personalities to, to come together, then it's kind of like, you know, you, you reap what you sow. You know, you, you put these guys together, and regardless of their, their attitudes, because they're great football players, you want them on your team. And, you know, those are the same guys that will destroy your team because for them, and, and James, I've said this before, football is the greatest team sport, I believe, in the world. But both of those guys are I and me guys, not us and we. Because even if they were to win, if Dez doesn't get enough catches, he's going to complain about that. So it's, it's, it's a situation where, you know, the, the character of the athletes that you are involved with, that you have become a part of your team, they, they really dictate the direction your team is going to go in. And, and right now, the Dallas Cowboys are an I and me organization and an I and me football team, not an us and we. Yeah, there's, there's de- definitely a lot to be said on that. So, okay, so the question I have for both you, for both Nesby and Mark you know, we're down to two unbeaten teams, the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. If I was to told you back in August that these two teams would be unbeaten after week 10, would you have believed it? Second question is, um, what is it that each team is doing right to stay unbeaten? No, I'll take that. Uh, I would, I would ahead, say Mark. that uh, as far as New England goes, I would have definitely believed that. I mean, you kind of had to see, you know, coming into this season with, uh, well, I guess it depends on when <laughs> uh, when the, the, the plate gate ruling went down. If, if uh, you know, before when, when Brady was supposed to be suspended for four games and, and you said that they would be 9-0, and then I would have a hard time believing that. But once all that uh, uh, blew away and um, uh, Brady was uh, third to play and all that, then, yeah, you, you kind of would just feel like after going through that, I mean, they – the Patriots are, uh, you know, just a organization that seems to have a chip on their shoulder, and you kind of knew that they'd come out, uh, you know, ready to ready to go. Um, so them being nine and zero is not at all surprising, and um, uh, you know, obviously they're doing it 
they do it kind of differently every week. You know, so they, they game plan differently and keep the, you know, both sides of the ball on their toes. And, and uh, Belichick is just kind of a, an evil genius. Um, so uh, Carolina, on the other hand, I, I don't think I would have believed that they'd be 9-0 at this point going into the season now. Um, they have had some uh, success here in the you know, last couple of years, and I love Cam Newton. I think he's a great player, and and love their defense. And uh, you know, after seeing them play for these nine weeks, you know, it's easy to see why they're they're nine and zero. But yeah, going into the season, I think they're uh, they would probably not be one of the top uh, you know six or seven teams that I would pick to be undefeated at this point in time. Nisby. Uh, for me, at least, uh, you know, I have to agree with Mark. You know, uh, you know, once uh, uh, Brady got, you know, the Brady Gate got lifted. Uh, you know, if I was going to pick a team, they they would be definitely one of the two or three teams I would pick that would have a chance of being undefeated. And I would say that most likely, you know, with the parity that's in the National Football League right now there's probably not going to be any team that's uh, going to be undefeated. But when you look at both those teams, they have really taken on the personality of their head coach. Uh, you look at New England, you know, they're, they're smart, they're efficient. You look at Carolina, they are absolutely tough and relentless. And, and I, I think what Carolina reminds me of more than anything was something that my high school coach instilled in us and that champions win close games. When you look at the number of games that Carolina could have, should have, probably may have lost if they were the Carolina of old, they're not losing anymore. And, 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 and those uh, toe-to-toe, everybody's throwing you know, punches, they are the last man standing. So if you're going to be in a tough physical game with Carolina, then that's... That's the space they, 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 they thrive in now. And to me, that's been the biggest difference maker for that team this year, that those close games in the past where they would lose, they are winning. They are playing like champions. And to me, they are the team to beat. Very true. Uh, man, but did you, uh, Mark, did y'all think Green Bay would be there? You know, I thought Green Bay was going to run away with it. You know, then when they came in and played Denver, they looked like it's over with for them, you know. Um, and everybody talking about because their receivers not in, you know. I don't think that was it. I think, you know, um, the, the, the business team started changing. You started to get different teams. Like, you got Carolina winning now, you know. You didn't get the old thing where you still got New England. But, you know, all the Dallas teams are losing now and all that. So you started to get different blood. You guys agree? Well, I, I think it's just a, a, you can call it a, a change of the guard somewhat, you know, you know, with the exception, you know, of New England, and and they'll probably be that way as long as Belichick is there. Uh, you know, when you look at that YouTube tape that he has when he's on the sideline of the Super Bowl, it's, it's phenomenal. It just, you know, he, he he's the only one that's cool, calm, and collective. On that last play before the interception, all the other coaches are going crazy. Put the head here, they pull their hair out, and he is just sitting there looking across the field, assessing what they might do, what they might do. And they come out in that particular formation, 
He knows what they're going to do. They know what they're going to do. And so, and, and that's, that's the difference, you know. And when you look at Carolina, uh, they are just, you know, they're tough, they're physical. You know, I'm not going to say they are the, the reincarnation, you know, of the Chicago Bears defense, but those guys, they play hard each and every game, and they leave their game on the field. It's not like, you know, and, and James will attest to this. There were times, I'm sure, that he played in games. He looked at some of his teammates, and he knew that they weren't giving their all for whatever reason. You can't say that about Carolina. You you can't question their heart and and how relentless they are because I guarantee you, every team they face, they will tell you, one of the most physical, hard-nosed playing teams we faced this year, if not the hardest-nosed, most physical team we faced this year. Yeah. Mark, before you go, uh, hey, Nick, we're going to go all the way to the end of the show. We're going to skip this break. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry about that. Thanks, Nick. Go ahead, Mark. Oh, I, I was just going to get back to uh, Green Bay. You know, I think they're definitely in a wall. Uh, you know, they haven't played very well the last three weeks or so. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't count them out either. I mean, I, you know, anytime you got Aaron Rodgers uh, leading your uh, team, I think, you know, they have uh, as good a chance of any <clears throat> to get out of the, the NFC. And, you know, I, I think last year, you know, they started off, what, one and two. Um, and I think, you know, they looked pretty similarly uh, as they have the last couple of games where they just seemed out of sync and, uh, you know, they just weren't clicking at all. And then, you know, they went on a nice run after that and, of course, you know, uh, got to the NFC Championship game and, and, and nearly won that game as well. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't count them out. I think, you know, it's just kind of an ebb and flow of, uh, of football season. Again, Nesby touched on it. I mean, it, it just doesn't seem like that kind of thing ever happens to the Patriots, you know. Um, they're just so consistent and they're – uh, just always playing well. Uh, so I think, um, you know, it is it is somewhat common for other teams to, to go through uh, some lulls, and uh, you know, I have I have confidence. That I think that they're gonna they're gonna get back and and play a better brand of football as the as the season goes along. Yep. Hey Chris. So uh, yes. Go Chris. Chris, go to the question with Chris. Oh, oh, oh boy. Okay, guys. So, uh, you know, Nesby and Mark, I, I, I heard a comment that Chris Carter had made recently saying, quote, I think Wes Walker and Julian Edelman and some other guys, they don't get credit because they're white. And when people evaluate them, they think they're less athletes or a product of the system. And I don't think that's fair for what they're doing, unquote. How accurate do you think this comment is and how relevant is it? Uh, you know, uh, for me at least, I, I, I think it's, uh, is it, it, accurate and, and it's, and it's relevant. And, 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 and here's, I'm going to draw from my own personal history. Uh, when I played with the Baltimore Colts, we had a receiver by the name of Roger Carr. Roger Carr used to run by almost every black cornerback in the National Football League because he was white. And they, you know, Instinctively, you know, black guys are inherently supposed to be faster, quicker, more agile than white guys. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we'll look at a white guy that's putting up great numbers and we'll attribute, attribute it to the system that he's playing in. 
You know, it's kind of like when you look at Steve Largent. Steve Largent wasn't fast, but Steve Largent could separate. You look at Wes Walker. He's the same way. In that little 10-yard box, you know, planning, driving, redirecting, and doing all that stuff, he can separate. And just Mm -hmm. like Steve Largent, and people didn't really talk about this about Steve Largent, he's tough as hell. You, you, You can't make him quit. You can't hit him hard enough where he wants to tap out. So, 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 so you, you, you can call this, you know, kind of reverse discrimination or whatever, but uh, I, I have to agree with Chris that, you know, they, they don't get all the accolades and, and the credits they should because, you know, it's always all they can do is separate. Well, hell, if you can separate, you can play a long time in the National Football League. So that in and of itself is, is, is a trait that allows you to have a long, prosperous career. Because guess what? As long as you can continue to move those chains, you will play in the National Football League. Right. Yeah, and it kind of seems as though that kind of um, talk, I, I would say, is, is really attributed to people playing skill positions, you know, wide receiver, cornerback yeah. uh, specifically, you know, because I, mean, I don't think anybody's talking about Rob Gronkowski being overrated or, um, you know, a system guy or anything like that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I do think that there is, you know, it is, I guess just because there's been so few white guy receivers that are fast and um, agile, like you said, and, and um, you know, put up good numbers that that maybe they, they don't get the, the, the credit that, uh, that they deserve, and, and yeah, I mean, really, when you do hear about Welker and about Amadola, it's always you know kind of possession receiver, system guy. I mean, that's that's really that's uh, seems to be the, the next sentence when when uh, when those guys are mentioned. So I do think there is something to that for sure. Well, you know, I, I think probably what what best describes one of one of the things they look for, I think, is that they they look for a player's toughness and. You know, the, the guys you just mentioned, you know, you, you, you can't take their heart. I mean, their receiver that I played against, I knew if I hit them hard enough, they would tap out. You know, uh, you know those, those guys are, uh, are the type of receiver that no matter how hard you, you hit them, I mean, you could smash them. And they would get up and say, hey, good hit. Even though, even though you just knocked the dog's nut out of them, they look in your eye and say, "Good hit," and, and you know, and, and get on back to the huddle and come back at you the same way. So, those are the type of receivers that you know when you really look at their toughness and their ability to make plays. You know, they're going to have long, successful careers because you can't take their heart. You, you can't beat the wheel out of them. You know what, Nancy Martin, let me say this. I know I went, when I grew up, I went to Hawaii High School. They was told us that, you know, all the black players, you played a skill position. That's how the NFL was coming up, you know. Black guys be the receiver, couldn't be the quarterback. They instilled that in that. Then you had these white guys, that were, like you say, Steve Rogers is the best receiver I, I can tell you right now. I can tell you that right now. Watching him, you know, and you know him, Mark, and, and, and um, Ned. But mm-hmm. you look at it in the category, all that, you know, 
Well, he's going by that, but it's a system. No, if he running past him, that's no system. You know, that man just running past him. But, you know, they categorize it and they started to get out of it now. You see it? I think maybe it was, um, I think Randall or what quarterback started where, you know, he had the black quarterback behind me and they was running. You know, now you had the other white receivers and they were just as good, you know, and was better. So now they're saying, well, it's a system there. No, it's not the system. It's that guy going by him. He's just a great athlete. You guys agree? Oh, no, I do. Absolutely. And I think, I think, you know, a lot of that's changing. I mean, for the better. I, I would just say that, like, for Russell Wilson, uh, I think he's a, a pretty good example. You're not hearing the, you know, quote-unquote, black quarterback talk and all that stuff where, um, you know, they just back in the day, you would, you know, again, when Randall Cunningham was coming up and, uh, you know, Warren Moon to a, a degree, you know, you'd always just almost... Can I, can, I, can I interject one thing? Yeah, go for it. I, I played with Warren Moon, and Warren Moon was a great leader. And, and I remember my junior year, when he was coming out of college, that scouts were coming around trying to make him into a safety. Because Warren could bench press over 300 pounds. I mean, you know, he was, he was, he was well built. But that was never his best position, safety. His best position was that quarterback. He could stand back. He had great leadership. But he could put, you know, he could throw the football. He had great arm strength. And I said to myself that they are trying to make Warren Moon a safety. You know, they're questioning his leadership. They're questioning his smarts. I was like, really? In this day and age, Warren Moon? So, but, you know, those were just some of the, the, the prejudices that, you know, we had to overcome because, you know, white guys, you know, were centers and middle linebackers and, and free safeties, which was supposedly the heady positions. You know, black guys were, you know, running backs, maybe tight end, you know, cornerbacks, uh, and, you know, defensive linemen. Those, those were kind of, you know, we were kind of pigeonholed there. They, they weren't, they were, there wasn't a black center that started until 1980, and I played with him, Ray Horton, and the other guy who I know I had too many hits in my head was in Miami, University of Alabama. They got drafted the same year, and those two guys were the first two genuine starting centers in the National Football League. And that was 1980. That's crazy. Well, wow. And I mean, no, I, I, uh, sorry, go, go ahead, Mark. Uh, I know. Uh, I'm trying to think now. Out of Washington, now did uh, did Moon? Did he end up getting drafted? I know he ended up going to the CFL. Did, did he like not even get drafted in the NFL that, uh, after his senior year there? Or? Well, uh, you know, I, I can't remember, uh, but I don't. I think he had already committed to signing with with Canada, so uh, nobody bothered him, I guess, because I don't even think that he was drafted. But I think it had more so to do with everybody wanted him to play safety, so he said, "I'm going to Canada to play quarterback." Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. crazy. Yeah, I mean, just to think about, like, if, uh, you know, if he came out now, uh, oh. 
from Washington. <laughs> you know, I mean, it'd be a whole different, whole different ball game. I mean, that's that's a whole different ball game. It. Yeah, it's crazy that he had to go through all that, and and uh, uh, obviously ended up uh, having a Hall of Fame career, and 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 did great. I'm sure he, he probably had a chip on the shoulder, uh, uh, and rightfully so, uh, having to gone through that. Well, guys, we're going to have to wrap it up here. It's been another great week. We appreciate that, Nesby, that you can take the time to come on and talk to us today. My pleasure. Perfect. And Mark, always, you know, we just we, we, we just, we just keep doing it every week, don't we? <laughs> it's been fun, man. I really enjoy coming I on. I enjoy here. having you Thanks on. Thanks for having me. So, great. And so hopefully we'll, we'll be able to do this again next week. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.